Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 88 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm Better okay. not ask that question. No, huh? no. Probably. I, yeah. With what's... Yeah. Currently happening in American politics. And Happy, stuff. New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. New Year. Happy New Year. It's a new year. I had a mimosa. We, yeah, I had a PB&J. You did. It was nice. We're not talking about the food. And we're not talking about the food. So. Um, Although dinner was good. Dinner was really good. Dinner was good. Uh, good, uh, good, good, good friendship and good, we're going to focus on that for good right for, now. Good, good friendship, good conversation, and we're going to go that direction. And we're going to take a, tr- a little trip down memory, ro- memory road, I think, tonight. Yeah, although bit. funny thing that happened at dinner related to tonight's discussion, oh, yeah. too. So you got a late Christmas present. Yeah, tonight. uh, late, late Yule present for me today. Yes. Um, uh, a, a friend of ours got, um, custom D20s for us, custom yes. gem cut G- d20s yes mine's amethyst yours look like jade yes i uh, no, it's not jade it's uh it's something else uh but it's green it's green yeah uh, malachite maybe something i don't something. know but it's it's green yes. um but they're uh really nice engraved uh, uh things on there and the custom um uh one and 20 on them yes uh, the, the 20 is uh, for both of us is yeet is yeet <laughs> Uh, which I had seen these dice get put out uh, before, and I, I pointed it out like months and months ago. So she must have caught on to that. Uh, but uh, and then your one is different than mine. Uh, yeah, mine, mine. I cannot say Cause because it, cause it, uh, might, it, would, it, it messes would, up on it, it <laughs> may get our podcast flagged as inappropriate. Yeah, but uh, mine to say is it the begins with an F. Yes, my <laughs> mine on the other hand is the northwestern version of of that, which is Ope. Ope. <laughs> which I, I i love i absolutely love i think it's fantastic and i i will be rolling that die at some point that's just great so, yeah no, so, so but yeah tonight is about uh the stuff that makes gaming makes tabletop gaming the tools that we use the things that we started with you know and and what's come out like what because we haven't been able to play with physical things but so many things make it gaming and that's what's made it challenging this last year i've been i've been talking a lot about how we're kind of living in the golden age of role-playing right now we so uh, are where it's it's really hit the mainstream and because it's become mainstream there's a lot of uh community producing new stuff for it um new games uh, new media there's it's all over youtube it's all over you know twitter and instagram and you can you can very easily find all the stuff it's come kind of up out of the basement and, yeah and, and into this into the limelight um, and along with that, though, is a lot of like new gaming peripherals. So much so, and uh, and some old ones that have just been given new life, dusted off, and, and improved upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole concept of uh, when 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 gaming came around originally, I remember having the discussion about original D and D dice didn't have painted in numbers; you had to fill it in yourself. The, the ones out of the out of the box. Yeah, right? the original. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never got a set of those, but I, I knew the tales of grabbing your crayons and filling in the cracks, yep. you know, because yep. uh, you didn't have it. But now you can get pretty much dice made out of anything. Mm-hmm. You can get them, you know, you can get gem cut, glass cut, metal that are hollow, that are just, you know, 3D printed. Yeah. Uh, I saw titanium dice. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know friends who g- gifted each other silver dice oh, <laughs> for their 25th gaming anniversary, uh-huh. but I mean, you could make your own at home. 
Yeah. Like there's, there's kits to make your own at home. I mean, it's amazing, but like where we started was so different. Yeah. And, yeah, and even then it was better than this real, the original start point back in the sixties and seventies. Man. And I re- I remember having to try to like hunt down my first set of dice too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is back when I was just uh, starting to get into Palladium Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's turtle reference, everybody. Yeah. Um, was, uh, I think like we had to go to like the one comic shop in town that actually had any role-playing stuff. And they had like a little shelf off in the corner yeah. where they had like five D and D books and like three sets of dice. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember where I picked up my first dice when I got, cause when I got palladium, um, most people pilfered their board games back in the day, but that's yeah. just where you got D six. Cause that's where they... you got D sixes. Yeah. And I remember doing that, but I think my first set of, First full set of dice of, D, you know, D20, D8, D12, D6, um, D10s. I think my first set came from a gaming shop that was in Westland that is no longer there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that had, uh, it strangely had a decent selection of games. Yeah, okay. Uh, and some some dice, not mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and they were expensive. They were, it was just, it was very odd. And then the second time I went out to the east side to a gaming shop there and yeah. got stuff with my second set of dice. But after that, gaming stores just started showing up all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And when you found really cool dice, you picked them up because you didn't know if you'd see them again. I think, um, I think Magic the Gathering kind of opened the door for a lot of that. Um, yeah. Because I think, like... Magic the Gathering, Pokemon. You, you, yeah, yeah. Po- Pokemon and Magic the Gathering, I think, are kind of at the same time there. Um, they, uh... I think they opened the doors for a lot of that because the comic shops were carrying the magic cards mm-hmm. and the magic crowd brought the D and D in. Yeah. You know? And I, so I, th- I think, you know, you, you saw it kind of hit a, a, a bit more of not, not mainstream like it is today. Yeah. But at least you could find it. Well, then you also had your miniature shops, the places that were doing, you know, uh, like model airplanes oh, and yeah. Ar- yeah, you know, the yeah, army yeah. stuff, getting Warhammer stuff mm-hmm. because it was kit based. Yep. And then that kind of opened the door to allow gaming miniatures yeah. for D&D and stuff like that. Ralpartha, yep. yep. like big, big wall of Ralpartha oh, yeah. computers. And... You know, and people needed paints and people needed things. So mm-hmm. that kind of opened that gateway. So you had two very distinct worlds that were different. You had collectible cards and comic shops turning into gaming shops and then you had these uh worlds of 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 um miniatures and rc now stepping into that realm yeah. and kind of colliding bleeding over into warhammer and then yeah. bleeding into dnd minis and then yeah started carrying the books along with them so you one-stop shop your your hobby yeah and yeah, yeah no there was a there was a uh, and I, I know what you're saying is true because uh uh there was a um friendly local gaming store flgs as mm-hmm. you'll sometimes see it written mm-hmm. um that, that i would go to uh old guard hobbies now old guard yeah yeah they're they're gone now but yeah. they were yeah up, up in my my neck of the woods yeah definitely um um because the place that i started which doesn't exist anymore was li- i was lucky that i had a news comic and small bookshop literally oh, okay. around the corner from my house and it was tiny yeah but they would get newspapers from all over the world and mm-hmm. stuff like that and so a lot of people went in there but just inside they had a small gaming section mm-hmm. and i mean like it was maybe maybe three feet wide and you know magazine stack tall oh yeah yeah you know but it had D and D, and it had Palladium, and it had some, it had other games there, and that was my first. And they had no peripherals; there was no dice or anything there. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. the books. Um, but it was great that they had that because it opened up a door. Because every day I would go and look at it again, and look at it again until I got the money, and then I bought it, and I was so freaking excited. Yep. yep. Um, but uh, like all the shops that I remembered after that, um, 
one of them was like something connection books connection i think it was um and that that place was just a bookstore but they had a decent amount of gaming stuff in it mm-hmm. and it was fantastic um and there were a couple out on the east side and i'm trying to remember the names and i'm terrible at it today my my brain's just not pulling them together but um there were a couple off of uh there were decent drive for me but they were more of the classic miniature shops that turned into Warhammer shops that turned into gaming shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Old Guard was kind of one of those. Yeah, Old yeah. Guard was, I think, definitely that, you know. And uh, it's just been neat to see how many of those have grown mm-hmm. and are still doing okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope they're doing well during the pandemic, but it's really hard. Yeah, mom- moment of silence for the ones that, that didn't make it. I mean, Old, yeah. old Guard, I know, cl- closed down a handful of years ago. It's, yeah. it, it is now an adult novelties shop, yeah. which I think, hey, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Uh, our, our FLGS, mm-hmm. luckily, uh, survived yes. a fire God, and yes. moved into a bigger oh place. Oh, wasn't that scary? Yeah. So short history lesson there, um, RIW, um, was in the process of moving to a larger place. They had, they had picked out the location, which mm-hmm. wasn't far and they were getting their, all their ducks in a row. And they had a number of both, uh, Magic the Gathering and Pokemon champions that came out yeah. of there because they would take them to tournaments and everything. Like yeah. they really like the awards they had on their walls were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to say it was about a month before the move. Was it the the restaurant next to them caught fire? I think something burned through the wall and just ravaged the shop. Yeah, and they lost a lot of cards. Yeah, which very very limited stuff Mm -hmm. and all their awards and tons and tons of warhammer stuff and books and uh and board games were just gone and it 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 was a sad hell of a sad day 12 warhammer models destroyed in the uh in the fire so three thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of damage (laughs) (laughs) what ten thousand points worth of shit (laughs) not that i'm salty about that but yeah yeah uh, yeah. so let's uh uh dice bags Oh You're, my god! Uh, now, now I know everybody's everybody's traditional like we. There was a little discussion about this. Uh, Hulavu on uh, one of our yeah. patrons uh, on on Discord mentioned that uh, he didn't he doesn't have a dice bag, which I blows my mind. The and, concept uh, that you don't have a dice bag or something to carry your dice in, whether it's a vault, a carry, sure, or something, sure, a tin. Sure, sure. But there was but there was some discussion about about the the uh, the crown the obligatory the crown royal classic bag, yeah. right? And I I don't know if that's just like an east coast thing or not i'd be interested to find out no i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's universal but like yeah. in anywhere like crown royal is circulated yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not worldwide but um i gotta admit i've never had a crown royal bag what no because no so i i had a different bag um a friend that an ex of mine cheated on me with <laughs> bought me an apology gift for his part in the whole thing oh lord um it was a bottle of Captain Morgan private stock and oh. came in a yeah. tall red velvet bag. I remember those. I remember those bags. And so uh, I did not have a Crown Royal bag, but I did have a fancy alcohol bag. Well, that that is that is still a thing. Because I think that whole concept of that you had these de facto dice carriers that came with alcohol. Like, And what was funny for me was it was a lot of kids getting the bags from their parents. You know, right, right. early on, and it was just easy because it was accessible. Like, what are your parents going to do with a Crown Royal bag? Uh, honestly, you know. And now it's funny that they they didn't used to do them in the bigger bottles, but now they do. 
Because people are using them. Right, right, because there's demand for there's it. There's demand for <laughs> it's it. It's funny that I am Crown st- Royal changed their marketing and, and some I of that because of I still don't gamers. know why they haven't done a gamer box set for Crown Royal. Oh, right. For a, yeah. like a Christmas box set that comes with dice. Oh, my God. Could like, you imagine? A what? set of dice, a bottle of Crown Royal, and the bag. Like Right. That that has like I mean D and D is never going to support it, but come on, but come on, that like, would they could never put D and D's name on it, no, but they could be like for all of your gaming needs, and yeah, like, yeah, holy cow, yes, yeah, for for friendship, for and I honestly think that at the end of this pandemic, that would be a fantastic time to bring it out, yep. bring people back together with a bit of Crown Royal, a bag, and some dice, do exactly. it, you know, exactly. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna get with Crown Royal. Yeah. We're gonna have it branded for Storyteller Conclave. I think this, this yeah. is our idea. We're taking this, this one. This is great. We're this taking great. this one to the bank. Uh, what about uh, uh, your fir- your first books? Palladium was my first book, without yeah, yeah. a doubt. It was Robotech. Um, my second, I think my second purchased book was actually Rifts. Okay. Okay. Um, and then after that, I I acquired a lot of books through conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my AD and D books. Um, through conventions, I I actually lost a bunch of my robotech books because i gifted them to somebody uh for a period of time because they were running something Mm -hmm. and then they moved yeah so i I think i lost like 20 books to that move um really really good robotech books all gone um i uh uh, i had a a bunch of um battletech books classic battletech books like the original fossil yeah yeah and I, I gifted them to a friend at, at at the time and then that friend and i had a really bad falling out and uh yeah uh, so I, I had the tech manuals for a while. Yeah, the tech manuals. Yeah, I yeah. loved the tech manuals, just the tech manuals. And then uh, I had, uh, I got my third, I remember buying brand new uh, the 3.5 mm-hmm. because I wanted the CD mm-hmm. <laughs> that was in it. Um, and then fifth edition books, um, my 7C books, I think all of my 7C books came used through conventions because mm-hmm. uh, you i couldn't find them anywhere else yeah. i would literally dig through the convention huckster boxes oh really of, of like you of like used books and old books yeah sure sure and get them that way and oh. I'd, I'd pull those things out stacks of players guides to get them to friends and stuff because i wanted people to learn 7c like i loved it <laughs> Knox says there's there's becoming a list of things in this episode that sarah might still be salty about i think the more you get to know me buddy the salt the, was the, thick the the, the, the the saltier you understand me to be at like all times now, so. did, did you go to libraries to look at books? No. Okay. So, um, I did, I did a little bit. Okay. Um, so, uh, I had a brief stint where I played Shadowrun a mm-hmm. little bit and the library actually had a decent, believe it or not, a decent selection of, 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 uh, uh, Shadowrun books. Nice. Uh, they had the first, um, the first decker manual was in there oh nice um, like the first edition one uh and i don't remember what that what, what it was called uh but i remember it had really cool like color like 3d graphics <laughs> in it and stuff like that um i'll do what i can hula i'll most, see what i'll see if i can get that done most of my books actually were uh were i mean i had a fair selection of palladium books um that but most of those and then uh and then i, I started collecting uh white wolf books Oh God, I um, totally forgot about my White Wolf stuff. Yeah, but most of the stuff actually was just like from Barnes and Noble. Yeah, see, I never bought a lot from Barnes and Noble. So I did go to the library just recently. Funny enough, mm-hmm. I was I was hanging out with uh, uh, my wife and a friend, and we were dropping out books. This is right at the beginning of the pandemic, so mm-hmm. it's a little longer than I thought. Uh, 
and they went up, she was going to go uh, get a couple books. And so I walked over to the gaming section just to see what they had. Uh-huh. And they happened to have a book that I was interested in looking at because of ship rules for fifth edition. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was in there. And I'm like, oh. Ghost I'll... of Saltmarsh? Yeah. And oh, so yeah, I just okay. started flipping through it to see what those rules were. And I'm like, hey, this is this kind of cool. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, yeah, but no, I, uh, I I picked up most of my stuff at Barnes & Noble because like uh, Barnes & Noble, especially back in the day, would have just like one one little shelf mm-hmm. in the entire thing that mm-hmm. was just jam-packed with brand spanking new uh, yep. uh books and uh so i mean i i did my fair pickups of you know little things at at, at uh old guard hobbies yep. and stuff like that but i would say probably about 80 percent of my stuff came from between palladium and um and white wolf all came from there and then when uh uh Dungeons and Dragons third edition came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wizards of the Coast stores were a thing. That, oh, that's right. There was one at the mall. There was one at Lakeside Mall. There was one uh, at was, Twelve Oaks. It was near where I was growing up, yeah. so uh, I picked them up actually from there because that was the only place I could find them. I forgot about the D twenty craze that hit. Yeah, huge. D20 I did. Craze. That's where Everything I picked up my D20. books. Yeah. I picked up my books there. That's right. Yeah, those were there were kind of neat stores. Like they weren't they they were it was it was interesting to have a gaming store were, that was that dedicated. They were okay. They were yeah. they were niche, but they yeah. were you know I I understand why they failed. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it was cool having them around. Yeah. Um. First mini. Uh. Okay. So. My parents. Oh Lord. Uh. Actually, back in the day, my my mom has a bit of an artistic streak in her. Okay. Uh, and so when my both my brother and I kind of grew up with artistic streaks of our own, right. she very much encouraged it. Oh, nice. Um, and one of the things that uh, they got me into early was plaster craft painting. Nice. And so I had my own um, acrylic set of acrylic paints and stuff like that for painting these large plaster um, uh, busts and stuff like that. Uh, and I was no good at it. I mean, I was a kid, you know. But um, but I learned some cool techniques like, you know, buffing and stuff like that, like, you know, uh, which would equate to like dry brushing, um, but on a larger scale um, and whatnot. And uh, so then when I started playing Battletech in high school, I mm-hmm. started picking up those pewter miniatures from uh, from the mini store that I mentioned earlier, Old Guard. And uh, that was those were my first minis were my Battletech minis. And it was just like painting the big the, the, the big plaster craft things, only smaller. Um, after that, uh, I had a very short stint where I played Crimson Skies, another, yeah. f- another Fossa game, uh, yeah. a miniatures combat game only with, uh, uh, biplanes, basically, yeah. uh, prop planes. Um, and I painted some of those minis and then, uh, I think that's right about the time the third edition D&D came out mm-hmm. and, uh, always enamored with the, the miniatures and the terrain and the table and stuff like that. I loved seeing the, the pictures of all of that. And so... Instantly, the moment I started playing D anD D, I tried to recreate that, and so I started buying the pewter minis from there. Yeah, I I don't I remembered D anD D minis, um, but I really never got into D anD D minis until I would say three point five. Yeah, um, BattleTech definitely. I remember playing with BattleTech minis, and I remember wanting them. I wanted them so bad, oh, but I yeah. could never find them. Like I'd go into places and they just wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't have any sets. They wouldn't have boxes for anything else. But I remember they were all part of the sets. Um, I remember getting my first wizard, uh, from somebody mm-hmm. like they get, they had like one they're like, Oh yeah, you can have this one for your mini. I'm like, can I just keep this? They're like, yeah, you you can paint it too. And I'm like, oh, I, no, no, I don't know how to do that. So, mm-hmm. so I, that thing remained unpainted and then got lost in all of the, the annals of the universe. But yeah, I remember 
I remember that being the first mini that I had, but like never got to even use it. Yeah. But I so wanted a dungeon. Like I wanted to be able to build it out of the oh, little stone yeah. pieces. And then I found out there was like this dungeon craft set that came with like 250 pieces for a dungeon. I was like, oh, I want that so Oh, man. When, uh, <laughs> when, uh, oh, what was that game? Hero Quest. Hero when Quest. Hero Quest yeah. came on, it had the little cardboard bookshelves mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Blew my mind. Yeah. And then, and then, fast forward a few years, Hearst Arts. Yeah. Hearst Arts plaster molds. Hell yeah. Out. They are and, awesome. And by the way, if you haven't, if you haven't seen Hearst Arts, if you don't know what I'm, what I'm talking about go right look now, it go look it out. H-I-R-S-T. Mm-hmm. Hearst Arts molds. Yes. Okay. They are silicone molds for making modular dungeon stuff. Everything. Um, perfectly to D&D scale. Yeah. Um, and they've got all sorts of sets. Basically, if you like, basically just plaster cast these things yeah. and use them as building blocks. Yeah, dental plaster works amazingly well because it's pretty damn strong after mm-hmm. it hardens. You put a coating on it and it's done. Like and it's done. It, like I have a bunch of them because uh, my buddy Steve yeah. has a ton of it. And we ended up doing like two days worth of casting uh-huh. to get me a ton of pieces. And, and I have a bunch. I Actually, I've shared it with you. Yeah, you yeah, used yeah. it in some of your stuff. Um, I'm, t- I'm shit at painting. That's my problem, mm-hmm. both in getting myself to do it and doing it. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, I'm so happy that I have it now. Like, uh-huh. as an adult, I have a box of Hearst stone walls. And I'm like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I can be a child again. But man, those those were such goals. Yeah. 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 Just it was those things that we aspired to. And now we're like here. Mm-hmm. And like, it's different. There's so much. It's Just... almost too much to reach for. But but at the same time, I think it's all very accessible, you know. And, yeah. And I think the 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 important thing to note, and this is what I have to keep reminding myself of, is you don't need any of this stuff. No. It's cool. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's cool, and more power to you if you have it. But you do not need it with no. a capital N. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's talk a little bit about how to accessorize. Like let's let's set the need to the side. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're setting yeah, need yeah. to the side. Like usually we say, okay, this is all you really need. These are the things we what's, can get by with. What's our let's dream? Go, what's our park. dream shopping trip down the Rodeo Drive of so gaming? So flat out say it. I jumped onto a Kickstarter in regards to dice with a friend of ours, a mutual uh-huh. friend of ours, and I have like shiny bronze, almost golden dice coming oh. that are hollow, and they're like. You know, uh, they're 3D printed metal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look incredible. I mm-hmm. can't wait till they get here and, and I can roll those puppies because I've never had a set enough. It's always been something in the side of my head. So the moment that he said it, I was like, he's like, what do you, you know, what do you want to order off the set? I'm like, oh, I, well, I'll only do 50, 60, 70. I think it ended up being about $100 worth of dice that I ordered. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's worth it 100% because it's, it's, as a child, I dreamed of that moment. Uh-huh. And now all I can think about is the fact that I ordered a crap ton of D10s for seven. See, so when that puppy comes in, I will be running a game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I want, those for, I want those things to hit the table. But there's so much more out there. I, I recently, I recently had a dice revolution myself. Okay, um, because I was toting around that old crown, or the uh, crown, uh, that old uh, Captain Morgan bag yeah, of yeah, yeah. mine, um, full of just this mishmash of completely disparate dice sets that oh, it all God. kind of get, yeah. you know, um, and. Uh, so you know, I, I, I've mentioned on the show that that I I am transgender, and I've uh, so there's there's a lot of aspects of my life where I'm still kind of trying to figure things out, sure, about who I am and and break away from some of my old ways that I kind of adapted to, and trying to figure yeah. out who who's me underneath it all. And I had this moment where I started thinking to myself, I'm like, I should get some new dice. Like, oh, these are sensible, these are nice. And then I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second, I'm a girl now. Yeah, 
I can be as damn pretty pink princess as I want. Hell yeah. So I bought what I refer to as my unicorn vomit dice. They are unicorn vomit without <laughs> a damn are mind. hot pink with sparkles in them. <laughs> and uh, I love... I love every every little sparkle that is in them. They are they are my favorite things in the in the whole world. And a couple of my friends also bought me some new dice. You guys bought me some new dice. We did were, um, purple with swirls in them of sparkles yeah. and stuff like that. Just great, just yeah. absolutely great. I um, love that about some of the new dice. Is like we we look for colors and styles, and then we'll see something that catches our eye. And uh-huh. Back in the day, like we would have to figure out like was this a chessex set is it a specific color for chessex can you still get it if you need to get more of yeah. those dice now you can just you can find it yeah you can find something that's pretty it's damn just close available yeah and it's it's so great there's so many different different companies that are making like cool dice um so you mentioned yours are metal yeah um there's uh gemstone dice too just yep. like the, the the d20s that were gifted to us today i actually have a micro gemstone set as well that mm-hmm. are i think is obsidian oh um, very they're nice. very small though but yeah. it's a it's a tiny little dice set like almost hard to read i uh i bought um your wife uh for her birthday some yeah. rose quartz dice she loves those that she loves she so, loves yeah. those dice um, um but you got to be careful with those because you can't just roll them on a hard surface, right? Because they'll because they're they're a little they're a little brittle. So that brings us right around to dice trays. Dice trays. Holy lord! Like the you've got the ones that snap together. I love uh-huh. that design. It's great because you can just lay it flat in your bag, your book bag, or inside your folder, and then put it together. And they're not small. Like you can get little ones, but you can also get ones that are practically the you know the size of a keyboard or or a tablet. Oh yeah. I mean, they're it's it's impressive, but like. I've seen so many, like, just recently, I was looking at, um, I was looking up dice trays and found a mahogany cut from a single log dice tray that's, like, $260. But it's hand-carved, it's got, like, a tray for where the dice sit, and then this beautiful, like, inlaid tommy mat so that it your dice don't clink except against the sides. Oh my goodness. And then it's got little legs on it too, but it's all one piece of wood. Right, right, right. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's freaking gorgeous. But I mean, like $260, but you know. Whatever. I mean, if if you that that that's how you roll, if, you know. If that's if you're that into your hobby, man, you know. I mean, I I so we were, you and I were talking about this earlier. I'm like, yeah. what else what else do I spend extravagantly on? Literally nothing. Like occasionally video games? It it has changed. It really has changed. It, this is this is this is my hobby sink, you know. Yeah, and and I don't think I don't there's really anything play wrong Warhammer with it. anymore. Yeah. So what else am I going to spend? Money I mean, on? if if you're a car person, you might have two or three cars. Sure. You might have kits that you change out of them. You might have lights. You might have whatever, you're, and that that can run you painted or custom rims you know, or whatever. Yeah. You know, cause that could cost you. You know, and I'm going to say this lightly. You know, between twenty and sixty thousand dollars, depending on what you're throwing at it. Sure. So the idea of throwing a hundred or two hundred dollars at gaming stuff on a crack. Not a big yeah, of a deal. If you if you've got it, if you've got it, you yeah, know. exactly. And, and under, understandably, this day and age, not a lot of people do. But you speaking know. of bags, I ended up getting a Card King Pro from Vicky. For Your Christmas. bag, yes. is impressive as hell. <laughs> okay, so first off, this thing is the size of like a small pillow. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, yeah, like um, a sitting, like a little sitting pillow. The thing probably is diameter ten, ten inches or so in diameter. 
10 to 12 10 to 12 yeah. diameter uh, it's this big poofy sort of quilted bag but you open it up with its with its, with its uh, sizable drawstring and inside there are sewn what like eight different pouches yeah around the outside and then there's there's a central one there's in the a middle. central pouch yeah and the, the walls are high enough that when you close the top it basically closes up all of them mm-hmm. so that they can't intermingle between them but it's enough to hold eight full dice sets and some in each one of the po- like each yeah. pocket holds a double dice set and then the center pocket easily holds three or four. Oh yeah, easily. Because what I what I'm doing right now is it's holding all of my sets, and then my center dice pile pile is the is the extension. Like because I I have a lot of D10s for seven uh-huh. C, so it actually holds my smaller dice bag and those dice in it, and it still packages up real nicely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I highly recommend them. You can find them if you go to uh, Card King Pro. This is not like uh, none. I will say none of the things that we have discussed thus far have been promoted to us. Right, 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 right. These right. are things that we we appreciate. Um, I will say that the stuff that we got from Elderwood Academy, Elderwood Academy yeah. is incredible, and and they and they did provide us those those, those things. They did, and especially we gave them away uh, a lot of those away at the uh, yeah um, yeah. Uh, well, I take everything almost. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I still have some stuff to ship, so uh, I I need to get in contact with one or two people still. But um, their stuff is incredible as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's. It's it's the finer craft people mm-hmm. pulling these things out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, out of their their minds into something that's cross platform for them. So, sure. so instead of just doing you know wood turning for goblets and cups and things like that, they're doing this kind of work for gaming, and it's amazing. And they're doing leather crafting and printing and etching, laser etching, and all these things that are used to be almost unreachable by like the prosumer level is now 100% within crafts. You can have custom made uh you know a uh, custom made dice vault with your own logo on it etched, you know, and have it be quality, something that's going to last a long time. It's not mm-hmm. just cheap plastic or something like that. Like even the 3D printed stuff you can do at home, you can do in a high resin plastic that's going to last. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, it, it gives me thinking though, like cuz I mean we talked about the 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 um necessity of the the crown royal bag and stuff mm-hmm, like that earlier mm-hmm. but like we spent the entire first 20 minutes of the show talking about our deprived childhoods um how you know we, <laughs> we had to you know scramble for trying to find any gaming content we could and how we don't live in or we didn't live in this golden age where all this stuff was readily available yeah um do you think that now that these things are readily available that the crown royal bag was more of a thing of necessity that it was the most that it was the best and finest thing mark of station during its time like if you could get a card king pro bag nowadays is the crown royal bag really necessary or is it a relic of the age from which it was born from i think it's a relic mm-hmm. but i think it's also it it, it surprisingly was quality that yeah. was the thing about it was it it gave you something to carry things that were exceptionally important to you in a quality bag honestly and and you knew um, i'm i'm trying to like my brain goes to goes to trapper keepers okay in school okay and some kids had them and some kids didn't sure sure and sure and some kids had like the the really quality like 
nylon with Velcro that wrapped over itself and had the pencil pencil pouches in it and all the extra folders and things. Mm-hmm. And then you just had those kids who had like the cheap like GoBots one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it had GoBots on it, you sure, know, or whatever. Yeah. And it matched with your backpack and your lunchbox, you know, that was equally as durable. <laughs> but in in a way, it was necessity. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it was a mark of who you were, and and carried with it like a part of pride. Like this is my bag of dice, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some people have giant bags of dice. They love their giant bags of dice because they separate each one of their characters by their dice. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes into it as well. Is that some of it was also the discovery and finding it. And now that you have all these availability to. And accessibility to minis and going to things like um, uh, Hero Forge and print having a mini printed and custom painted for you mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting closer and closer to crafting what you want, an experience that you want, um, but also living up to an expectation of a society of gamers. Okay. So, like, if I'm going to a convention as a brand new gamer, mm-hmm. and I've, you know, maybe I signed up for a game, do I need to bring the right things to be able to enjoy that? Am I going to be looked down upon? Well, well that's an interesting question. Yeah. Where, where are the new marks of station? Yeah. Is there gatekeeping to the society? Now, an, a kind of a follow-up question, though, would be um, uh, history. Um, I, I engaging in some some discussions online about how, uh, like queer history has been kind of passed down, um, in an oral tradition because in a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. uh, spaces are still, you know, conservative enough where it's not being taught. You know, so there is a a need to preserve the things that have happened to and in the community and such like that, mm-hmm. um, through our own elders and whatnot. And it mm-hmm. got me thinking about this exact same sort of thing in the gaming community. Yeah. Um, now mind you, I don't think it's, you know, obviously not equal footing. I'm not trying God, to equivocate God, no, God, the two no. things, no, no, but, but you can, but from the standpoint of a... like us as elders in the community who did exist in a time where you had to kind of like really scramble to find the books mm-hmm. and you didn't have the internet you didn't have like a, a a wealth of gaming stores. You didn't have Etsy. You didn't have Amazon. No, college um, campuses were pretty much wherever you would find it at the time. Uh, but but you think like you know keeping the, the 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 history of the Crown Royal bag is a rite of passage. Yeah. Do you think that's part of like gaming culture that should be passed down to a new gen- newer generation, just like we teach them the gazebo story and stuff like that. 100%. 100%. I would still to this day say that if you're going to, like, if it was me and my group, and I've done it, uh-huh. like, if there's a new person coming in my group, I will get them a Crown Royal bag. Oh, yeah. Because that is, it is a rite of patches. It's an ownership. It's a simple gift, but it's a symbol of starting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I and I think that's to kind of to clarify too, um, when we were talking about uh our our, our contributor um Hulavu earlier, yeah. yep. um, we were kind of kind of giving him a hard time about not having yeah. our dice bag and so but I want to point out it was all friendly. One hundred percent. And that it's our insistence upon the Crown Royal bag simply comes from the fact of like we want to welcome you to the community and yeah. that's, that's how it's done. Yeah. You know? Congratulations, welcome to gaming. Here's your Crown Royal bag. You know, yeah. it's almost standard issue. You know, yeah, and, and it's your rite of passage. In some ways, like here's your first set of dice. Yeah, and it's a hand me down dice set. It is. You know, it's it's like I I almost liken it to like like a father teaching his son to shave. You know. Yeah. 
uh, or, 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 you know, mother teaching her daughter to walk in heels, or, you know, or I've, for the and I've time. seen it in the skateboarding community, like your first skateboard, your first deck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you're, you're, uh, the, the first time you drop in, you know, if you're, if you're doing that kind of stuff, it's, there's just something about the community helping you with your first things and those first things becoming honorific, you mm-hmm. know? That it's it's a station point, and I think almost all kinds of groups have that where your first stuff is kind of hand me down stuff, and is a gift to show you that you are new, mm-hmm. you know, and that mm-hmm. this is us accepting you by giving you our our you know something old, something borrowed, you know, right, kind of stuff, right, 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 you know, and I think there's there's beauty in that. There's yeah. a simplistic beauty in that. I think there is. I think there is. I, I love I love the idea of a, of a culture passing down its. Um... You know, passing down its story, its mm-hmm. history, its its traditions, mm-hmm. um, and and the little the little cultural touch points in there. Yeah, from one generation to the next. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's actually beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, dice towers. How do you feel about them? Oh Lord. Um, have you ever used one? No. Neither no. have I. Neither have I. I I akin it to mousetrap the game. Yeah. <laughs> A little, a little bit. Like, wow, you went through all that and took up that space on the table to roll your dice. But at the same, you can do that with your hand, you know, right? But at the same time, I see it as two different things. I uh-huh. see it number one as a gaming aid, yeah, for individuals who need it. Sure. I mean, I, I'm sorry, not everyone has a great role. I, I. I personally shoot craps. I can throw dice. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I've done that in my life. and uh, uh, But there are people who would prefer to have that happen in a much closed area or perhaps don't have either the dexterity or tactile skills to be able to do it. And I think there's a place for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think there's a beauty to them. I've seen some amazing ones. Oh, there are some amazing ones, yeah. You know? but um, I was watching uh, Dimension 20 uh, with uh, 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 Brendan Lee Mulligan as the, the storyteller for that. Um, and yep. it's just an absolutely delight, delightful set of stories that Brendan Lee Mulligan tells. Yeah. Um, and uh, for uh, most roles, everybody just kind of rolls, you know, on the, on the table in front sure. of them and whatnot. Um, but for really seriously epic, like game-changing roles, like, okay, I have levied the ultimate weapon at the villain and <laughs> I am going to pull the trigger. <laughs> okay. It could all come down to this role, and he has this like elaborate like cave with like fangs for stalactite sort of thing, uh, uh, dice roller okay. or dice tower that he pulls out specifically for that. And you okay. roll in the die in in the in the, in the, uh, the dice right. tower. All right, I could see that. I could see that. Um, along that same thing, dice jails. Dice, see, dice jails are funny to me. They're yeah. they're a gimmick. Like obviously, they they don't serve any purpose other than to punish your the luck on your dice. <laughs> the luck, but, the random but factor. How many of us? How many of us have rolled that like third one of the night on our d twenty and then just pitched the damn thing across the room? I mean, you warm up your dice too, and and the cat know. the cat you know sees the new toy and bats it underneath the the, the uh, underneath the sofa or the or the refrigerator. And, the, and your host says, oh, it's gone now. And you go, that's okay. It was dead to me anyway. That's right. <laughs> and was... a dice gel just streamlines that process for you. <laughs> it, that, that is true. <laughs> you know? That is true. That is true. Um, 
and you know everybody has their like return to society moments with their dice where they put them away and yeah. then, you know after yeah. a fortnight in a full moon you know bathing yes. in a full moon it yes. may be you know we are such super superstitious <laughs> creatures like it is true if there's if there's one thing us and the sports people can can agree on it's the superstitions it's, it's the superstitions yeah it's true it's true uh hulavu in the live chat actually um uh says fyi i understood that it was just a joke and took no offense so good, okay good, cool good. We're, all, we're, all in, we're all good um how would you pass down the culture when so much of it is done virtually uh that's probably why i never gotten to uh got uh, i never got one one uh, a crown royal bag he's saying mm-hmm. um since all my D community is virtual and that's actually an excellent point like we're kind of living in a in a virtual age and of course for the last year all of a sudden yeah. gaming online yeah i i i i'm gonna have to say that at a certain point there are still connections that get made mm-hmm. and uh it it's just it's different in that sense mm-hmm. like maybe it's a matter of something else you were gifted that you're not recognizing um or or that the gift is virtual in itself like being gifted digital books or or access to something mm-hmm. or you know subscription to something or maps or whatever the there usually is a handoff within some within a society and even in this and i I feel like I need to fill that gap now by shipping him a Crown Royal bag um, <laughs> of some kind. Uh, I, I may have to message him after this um, because I think it's necessary that the that the culture does that. But in a digital way, I would still say that it would have to be some of the, the same earmarks, like mm-hmm. gifting someone a start point. Yeah. You know, whether it's a book. Whether it's, you know, whether it's somebody like, hey, I don't have a, you know, I, I want to be able to play fifth edition with you guys, but I don't, I don't have a book, you know, you're like, okay, I may or may not have a PDF that you can look at, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. You know, but now it's easier because you go to D&D and Beyond, add them to the campaign and they have access to the books. Yeah. I, I 100% think that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. But there are a lot of systems that don't have that, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of systems that, you know, it's a, oh, I picked it up for you at drive through RPG. You can go pick it up here. Oh, sure. Great. That's wonderful. Sure. You know? And I mean, I don't think that, that having, you know, digital gaming necessarily precludes having some physical stuff. I mean, it may not contribute as much, but I mean, even if you're, you're just running a, 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 a D or a, a roll 20 campaign mm-hmm. and you have a favorite character, I mean, wouldn't it be cool to have a mini of that character? Mm-hmm. Whether you never put it in a game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But just having it sitting up on your hutch, just knowing that that is mm-hmm. your, you know, mm-hmm. your character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's still there's still a place for physical physical trappings. All right. One other thing that I wanted to get into tonight. Yeah. Tables. We're, this came out of oh, nowhere and now is amazing. I mean, every once in a while I try and catch up with a Wormwood group. Uh-huh. Holy crap, have they gone crazy. Oh, man. I watch their videos and I'm just like, these guys are literally living the La Vida Loca of gaming and oh, like yeah. just doing crazy shit and getting away with it. Like some some people like going to like the Porsche dealership and just browsing. <laughs> like they, they know they don't have the $200,000 or whatever a Porsche runs, you yeah. know, uh, to, to buy one. But, but, they, but they, they just want to feel like they're a high roller for a second. So they go and they stream. <laughs> rolled a lot yeah uh, uh and i think um some of the like the wormwood tables and stuff like that the yeah. elaborate gaming tables that are coming out nowadays yeah. are where i do that wormwood rats keller uniquely geek board game tables i actually went onto their site today just to see where the numbers were at for an octagonal uh-huh. table uh and uh it was uh, almost four grand what i was looking at oh yeah but easily at the, but at the same time i'm like kind of worth it yeah, like for me, it would be kind of worth it because, especially with the much time I spend at it. And this is this is where we got we got in the discussion of hobby spending. You yeah, know, oh, it's yeah. like it's like you know, there there are places where 
you're going to put your money in. It's going to sound frivolous, mm-hmm. but like you got to make that like that big purchase for yourself, you know, just so you can have that one thing because it's the it's the thing that you love. It's where you're sitting. It's what you're doing. It's where your heart is, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you and I started this podcast because we we've been we've been loving role-playing games for 25 years each. Plus, yeah. Plus. Yeah. And this is this is what we spend all of our time on. This is what we 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 devote sixty percent of our thought cycles to, mm-hmm. you know. And it's never going to go away for us. We have discussions about how when we're old and retired, and we all create a little retirement commune mm-hmm. for ourselves. And we're stuff still like going to be gaming. We're still going to be gaming. Yep. You know, until we're too old to do so. Yep. And even then, we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to try. And so you know, when, when you when you when you contextualize it like that, like four thousand for a custom gaming table starts to not sound like a bad investment. No, but it's when you get to 9,000 with the power lift center that can bring your mini up. I mean, that's... Th- then you're like, all right, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> oh, man. Knox asks, do you have any gaming tattoos? Uh, I don't have any tattoos. I have none. I've looked at a few. I've looked at a few. But not gaming related. Um, no. No. My, uh, if, I, if I got any, I don't know that they would be gaming related right away. Um, but I understand once you start getting tattoos, you can't stop. So, yeah. uh, my second or third one will probably be gaming related. Um, yeah. My first one, definitely. Like if we ever get into the tattoo discussion, I've got a big one that I've been working on, but it's, it's like 10 years now. Uh, I, uh, my, my first tattoo I already have picked out. It's going to be the Japanese kanji for, uh, Ryoto Tsukai. Okay. Um, which, uh, means dual wielding nice. in, uh, in Japanese. It is uh, slang for bisexual. Oh, nice. <laughs> So Overwatch had asked this question, what item do you really want for your table, but either doesn't exist or is too rare, expensive, or otherwise unobtainable? Okay, so. No, I gave this one some thought. We only got a few minutes here. You got this. I gave this one some thought. All right. uh, So my dream gaming peripheral. Sure. Is an augmented reality setup. Or I love this. Okay, so you've got like your minis out on the table, right? Sure, sure. Um, but it's an augmented reality. So when you look at your miniature, mm-hmm. um, in AR, so like if you're wearing uh, AR glasses or so of some sort, mm-hmm. it is displayed to you a floating like stat block. Oh, nice! That you can see all this stuff, kind of like um. Uh, to, to give you the visual and anyone else who's seen the game, uh, The Division, yeah. you know, where you look at things and you, you kind of get this overlay on mm-hmm. things um, that just kind of floats in midair above, mm-hmm. above mm-hmm. them. Um, I would love to see that. Okay. I would love to be able to look at the orc miniature and see that it only has seven of its, you know, 12 hit points left floating above it in okay. space. Yeah, I, I would... You cast fireball, you actually see the fireball happen, but it's all physical miniatures. Yeah, I would like to see... The I'd like to see a table like that. I mean, I'd even be fine with doing it with just a screen that tracked where the minis went, which you can do these days. Uh-huh. It's just it's it's just challenging to get all that right with you know without a a fully flushed out interface. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would want I would say at this point in time I would want an advanced gaming table that I could play with my friends uh-huh. on and be able to map things and move minis around and and have that capability. And it's not far out of reach, really. It's just time and money, mm-hmm. you know, and and getting back to physical gaming. Um, so yeah, I think that's where mine would sit. Okay. Um, so Knox's final question here was: uh, You never really think about the safety when you think about playing games with your friends, but sometimes things happen by accident. Can we talk a bit about uh, some of the safety tools like X cards and consent flowers? Um, actually, didn't know about these and uh, beyond the X card. What is your experience with these? 
So I'm going to say, actually, uh, I don't, believe it or not, have uh, as much as big of an advocate of these things as I am. Don't have a lot of actual play experience with them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mind you, I attribute that to having a consistent gaming group of like the same six people for the mm-hmm. last at least decade. Right. Um, I've I've had a few other gaming interactions with other people, but yep. like my quote unquote group with a capital G mm-hmm. has been you guys. Yeah. Uh, and so we've we've more or less got each other figured out, and so I think things like consent and X cards and stuff like that aren't as big of an issue with us, um, because we have made open communication about things uh, such a big a big part of our friendships and a big part of our lives. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that having something like an X card, um, you know, actually actually implementing it. Would not be a great idea, even still, even when we know each other as well as we do. Right. Um, I think about as close as I came is uh, we talked. Um, we're we're currently doing a an, a role playing game inside of Arc. Yes. Um, that you are running. Yes. And we issued flare guns to everybody. Yep. Uh, with a special skin on them that made them um, red, white, and blue fireworks, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't be mistaken for a normal flare gun. Right. And those are our X cards. Yep. If anybody, if anybody fires a firework flare, we're done. Yep. 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 We're just we're just passing it right there. For me, um, what's funny is this brought out some uh, two things for me. One, um, I've only been in one game when an X card was thrown, and it was very much uh, a good idea. Um, consent flowers, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That triggered a memory for me of my first LARPing of Vampire the Masquerade. Okay. The group had a uh, contact rule. Mm-hmm. There was no physical contact between players unless you were wearing a, it was like a, a this like silver thing, okay. like, a, like a lapel pin basically. Sure, sure. And you had to check with a storyteller and make sure you were over 18. But if you were over 18 and you accepted this pin, basically it allowed for contact. Mm-hmm. Um. And you could authorize your level of contact. Sure, um, sure. And I thought that was a neat thing then to be able to allow people to, like, you know, poke people in the chest or uh-huh. or, or have a, you know, it, no assault. Obviously, yeah. laws yeah. still apply. Grab them by the arm. Exactly. Or, or, like, you know, you know, or you'd have, you know, your uh, your your uh, Toreadors or things like that doing, like, you know, their, their, their wiles to try and, you know, to, sure, to try sure, draw sure. your attention and things like that. So it was always interesting to see how that worked out mm-hmm. and you could tell people looked for it yeah and it kept that safety and that security of knowing like hey i'm okay with this you're not so therefore i'm not going to invade that space i will get within a realm of it uh as much as i can in role playing but stay away from that sure, availability sure. but that consent also extended to the fact that you weren't you weren't you were unavailable for certain non-contact things as well because mm-hmm. um, it often meant that you were too young yeah so yeah. it changed role playing as well with the way people were interacting mm-hmm. with those people and but never changed the game which was neat it was just different and then we both were in a larp that oh, required yeah. non-com sessions with the, with the non-com sessions i totally forgot about that until literally just now yep 
Uh, yeah, there was a special braided sash that you would wear that designated you as a non-combatant. And For any number of reasons. So but... if, if you ever got within five feet of combat, essentially, first off, it was illegal to hit these people mm-hmm. in any way whatsoever, even even gently, yeah. to make contact with a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, you, you would like kind of look at the person and be like, I attack you. Mm-hmm. And they fall down. Like yep. that's that's it. Like that's how you engaged in combat with them. Was yep. a, a weapon very, does not go very near close to the uh, paintball of I'm five feet away from you and I go bang bang yeah yep you don't want me to shoot you <laughs> right because that's gonna be a welt you will not forget. So yeah, I I, I think experience wise they've been pretty good when they've mm-hmm. been thought out. Yeah, yeah. When I people think so. implement them; they always turned out well. I you know I mean it's it's honestly it's it's a it's a big honor um honor mm-hmm. system you know people have to uh, agree to consent to or well, agree to follow those rules not yes. consent to them but like to to follow those rules. But I think in my experience most people did. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't ever remember anybody at our LARP hitting a non-com. No, I've had people who should have been wearing them not wearing them. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. But but like anybody who was wearing them, I don't ever remember there being an incident where anybody got hit. You know, like, no. And and if if there was, I'm sure it was a oh I did not see the non-com sash. Like combat stopped. I'm so yeah, sorry. They were maybe where it was cold and they were wearing a cloak over them and yeah. you didn't see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like there was there was instant recognition of a fault and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was handled. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Knox Knox actually follows up uh, in the live chat. He says uh, so certain tools are icebreaker tools that become redundant over time. I don't think that's necessarily true. No. Um, consent is never anything that goes away over time. Um, the only reason I, I, I don't go out of my way to, you know, implement those sort of things is because I feel comfortable enough that I know my players and know their boundaries at this point. And when you haven't, and, or it's with something that you've questioned, you've asked. We've, like the kids. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you were at, you know, are you going to be comfortable if I bring kids into a combat situation where like, I think we're all adult enough right now in the room to be okay with this. I think yeah, we, we yeah. you know, cause you don't know where their emotional states are week to week, month to month, what could trigger something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have another, another uh, one, one player who has a uh, severe hydrophobia. Yes. Um, and so I actually had a discussion with him um, on the side as well of like, okay, so where, you know, how, how bad are we talking here? You know, what are what are my boundaries? What would right. what would be bad for you if I included it in the game? Yeah, and he spelled it out for me. Yeah, so I'm 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 aware. And basically, I had to agree that his character would never suffer drowning. Yeah, like it's okay to put water, but his character will never be able to drown. Yep. Like, yep. okay, that's cool. Yep. I don't need your character to drown as a story element. Like, that's not a that's not a thing that's required for my story. So, yep. cool. Yep. You you have my word. If there is ever water as a as a as an environmental hazard or whatever, it will never involve your death. Mm-hmm. Nor nor will we discuss how that's going. Exactly. You know, and, oh, and you it will fell not be, overboard. It will not be described. The morning you wake on the beach <laughs> and feel the the dusty sand still brushing off your face. Okay, you don't know what happened in between. That's perfectly fine. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 So you know, it's 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 mostly about just having adult conversations. But I think you know if unless. You do have those things, and maybe in addition to those things, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think every, every group has to find their own their own rhythm and stuff like yeah. that and find what works for them. But uh, I, I fully advocate, I mean, even seasoned groups using these sort of things. And rediscussing it. I think um, even in my game, um, I had a, somebody bring up to me um, in the, uh, the ARC LARP, like, uh, hey, that was a kind of heavy... Um, 
death sequence that you went over, and we have a bunch of people who just recently dealt with death. Mm-hmm. Do you want to check in with them? And I'm like, actually, I did, and I think everything's going okay. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why I was okay going ahead with it. So I think we were able to progress through it relatively well. And they're like, okay, okay. So the check back still happens. It's not a redundancy thing. It's not that everyone just accepts that they know about these cards. Thing. It is good to remind yeah, it is good yeah, to absolutely. remember that you have that because fears slip in like, oh, God, you know, I'm having this bad time and I don't know if I'm going to be OK with stepping in the situation. You don't have to talk about it. If you're not comfortable, you have those tools still available mm-hmm. to you. I mean, I, w- I would like to know what boundary was crossed so that I can make of sure course. I don't cross it in the future. But like when you are in the depth, the depth of a triggering situation, like uh, we don't need to talk about it right then. Like, no, that's the worst time to talk about you it. You just just. Drop the X card. Get yourself out of the situation. We will handle it later. That's right. There there doesn't need to be a defensive moment. It doesn't need to trigger anything for anyone, and people can just move on. Mm -hmm. So, oh, good questions. Excellent questions, yeah. Yeah, today today was good. Today was good. We've got a year worth of stuff ahead of us. We were taking a look at what our next shows are going to be like, and I think we've got some good stuff coming up that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. I was looking back at the list that we were we came up with earlier mm-hmm. today of some of the newer stuff, and I, I think we've got a lot to talk about. I think there's uh we're gonna we're gonna take some opportunities in 2021 to kind of get back to some of the basics. Uh, I know some of the stuff that we talk about is a little little high concept sometimes with the yeah. world building and encounter design and stuff like yeah. that. But um, you know, we want to make sure that uh, you know, I mean, the intro of every show. Yeah. We say whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning mm-hmm. the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up. Um, and I, I think sometimes we get away from the new storytellers Yeah, and I want to get back to that. So we're going to be, we've got a few shows slated in our, uh, mm-hmm. upcoming schedule for, you know, just kind of storytelling one-on-one. Yeah. Um, how to, how to DM. Yeah. How, how to get, like, I am brand new. What I would like to run a game for my friends. What do I do day one? Yeah. Uh, and you know, how, how do I put a story together? Mm-hmm. Sort of things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, mm-hmm. which I think is, and it's, it's really good for even the seasoned veterans to get back to the basics because I'll tell you after all this time, you, you, sometimes you get in your own head, yeah. you fall into your own habits and your own patterns and your own cycles and you lose sight of the fundamentals. Well, not only that, but sometimes when you're literally laying out the ideas of a, uh, of a game like you could be knee deep in it and suddenly just lose ground like i did yeah. like i i had to come up with like a couple of scenes that i was was totally unprepared for i was like oh god where is this gonna go because this is like a side quest now and i'm like okay well i know what it was so where can i go from there and so i just had to find a muse angle to hit mm-hmm. and sometimes that's what it takes is is finding which avenue whether i'm coming from the world side in whether i'm coming from a character idea in whether i'm coming from who's existing there Mm -hmm. and that's going to build me my idea tree you know all of those are different ways of attacking the loss of creativity or the loss of uh, that that moment of block i think one of the best things that i heard was um adam savage was doing a piece and he couldn't couldn't think of how to paint it it was Mm -hmm. an art piece and he's like I had no idea what color it needed to be. So I had to find one thing that I could do and I could find the one thing was I knew what I didn't want it to be. So I painted it that and that told me what color it needed to be. Oh, geez. So sometimes the angle is the one that you don't want to take. You just start writing in that direction and then you go, 
oh, well, that's not what I want it to be. Then <laughs> Whoa, this, this sucks. It would be so much better if it... Oh, I see. <laughs> and then and then the thing comes out of it. And so I think that's wonderful. So so next week's topic, we're going to uh, have another System Spotlight. It's the second Wednesday of the of the month, so we always do System Spotlights. Then uh, we're going to be actually talking about one of my favorites, Warrior, Rogue, and Mage. Yep, WRM. Um, Dread, and other small rules light systems. Yes. You can find us up on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. You can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join our Discord. You can find that uh, link up on our di- up on our Twitter uh, quite often and on our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion. Thank you so much. It helps every week and keeps this show on its feet. Uh, if you were listening live, our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at part- patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. And our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand by uh, Midair Machine. Uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so thank much you. for supporting and loving us. All of our friends who have sat with us at our tables and given us these great stories to share with you over the years and every single one of you, our listeners. We love you so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.